T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. My guest this weekend is Mayor Richard Irvin. He's been running Aurora, Illinois since 2017, and he had a pretty decent career before this job. He's been a Kane County prosecutor. He worked for the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, too. He founded a community program in Aurora called Weed and Seed, and he was an Aurora alderman at the time of his election. Mayor Irvin is an Aurora native and not only graduated East Aurora High School, he taught there for a bit, too, among other places. Uh, Because of the state's COVID-19 stay-at-home order, the mayor and I are not meeting face-to-face. We're going to talk via Zoom conference. And Mayor Richard Irvin, it is good to see you again. It's good to see you too, sir. Uh, Well, I want to appreciate you inviting me on your show. Well, not at all. I I very much appreciate you joining us. All right. Um, I want to start with how hard your city's been hit by the COVID-19, and and I guess the shutdown of non-essential businesses has to be a part of that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, uh, our whole city government has been affected by the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus uh, in the sense that, you know, we are doing business totally different than we had in the past. For example, if our police officers or or firemen, EMS uh, workers go out to uh, a call, we have to, and and it's not even a COVID call, we have to assume that that everybody we come in contact with may have the coronavirus. Um, City Hall is totally shut down for the most part as far as entrance and exit into the facility. We're still running our government via um, meetings just like this one here, uh, video meetings and emails and uh, teleconferences. Uh, You know, our street workers, although we do have uh, workers like our police and fire who are required to be out, our city engineers that that go out and make sure that they repair uh, breaks in our our pipes in the city, uh, in our water main. Uh, in our sewage, in our sewage pipes, uh, that make sure they that we uh, shovel the snow and remove the snow and trim the trees. They're still out there, but where they used to go out um, in teams, now they go out individually in their own in their own individual truck. Uh, as, as I said, we're we're doing things totally different than we had in the past, and, and you know, I our team has has. Are, is trying to uh, make this uh, the the new norm, and I, I think we're we're doing a decent job in making sure we still uh, provide the services that our citizens have come to come to expect. Um, but again, this is just a totally different way of doing things. Well, I can imagine, and and Aurora is a diverse community, and I don't just mean 
you know, ethnically and racially, but culturally, economically, even commercially, uh, I would think that makes the effects of this really a kind of a kaleidoscope where you're just dealing with different types of effects across the city. Absolutely. You know, the, the fact that, you know, we have such a multicultural mix of, of citizens, uh, you know, as well as economically, economically uh, and culturally mixed communities. We have to communicate with everyone on a level that they understand and try to get the point across uh, that, you know, this is serious and we've got to work together to make sure that we flatten the curve. Um, we have a large uh, uh, Latino population, so we've got to communicate uh, in a language that, that they understand and feel more comfortable. We have to communicate in Spanish. We have a large, you know, Indian population, which is our Asian population is our fastest growing uh, ethnic uh, group in Aurora. We've got to communicate in, in a way that folks understand and recognize the seriousness of the message we're trying to relay. But, you know, you know, that type of communication is communication that we we're used to based on our city being so so multicultural mixed. And now we're just taking it to a different level because we're communicating something that, you know, the same message to everyone and in, in a way that they need to hear it and understand it for them to take it seriously. And I know what we're talking about is obviously a public health issue, but I want to talk a little bit about the business issues because that's been really in the forefront here, especially as we've gone on with the show, uh, shutdown for as long as we have. I mean, Aurora has more than a couple of uh, economic engines, I assume. Oh, wow. We have yeah. many. We have many. And at Fox Valley Mall would be, I guess, the biggest one? Yeah, Fox Valley Mall, you know, is our, our biggest generator. That Fox Valley Mall area generates, uh, you know, over $2 billion a year, second only to the Magnificent Mile in Chicago and the whole state of Illinois as far as, far as uh, revenue generation. But just, just think about it like this. You know, a government functions off of revenue, and that revenue comes from, you know, tax dollars. The Fox Valley Mall is shut down totally. Therefore, we get absolutely no tax dollars right now from the Fox Valley Mall that generated those billions of dollars uh, of year for revenue for you know, our community in Aurora, as well as our, our sister community, Naperville, next door. Uh, the outlet mall, the Chicago Premium Outlet Mall, that generated, oh my gosh, multi, hundreds of millions of dollars per year. That is totally shut down. We in Aurora are, are privileged to have one of the original um, casino licenses, riverboat licenses. The casino is totally shut down. That means it's generating zero revenue. Um, one of the uh, most important uh, um, features we have in our city that, you know, has, has gone to arts and entertainment that has been affecting our art and entertainment scene to the positive over the last, you know, five, six years. The Paramount Theater that, you know, attracted close to 400,000 people a year to downtown Aurora to uh, participate in the theater scene and, and see our Broadway plays that we, that we produced here in our community. That is totally shut down, and that was also a huge revenue source. And these are just the four main revenue sources. Just think about all the other restaurants that, if they're not doing curbside delivery or, or, or home delivery, they're totally dark. You know, all the other businesses, and you can just think of a business from you know, uh, you know, uh, cleaners to you know, um, 
a shop, a bicycle shop, or, you know, just, just think of any kind of business. They are, for the most part, unless they're determined to be uh, essential businesses and uh, they have the ability to stay open, they're closed and generating zero dollars for our, for our community. So we're, I, I believe we're down close to 80%, 80%. So if you take a, you know, a hundred percent a pie, you know, we're only generating about 20 to 25% of that revenue. So 80, 75 to 80%, we're just not realizing. So if we're not as a city realizing that, that, uh, that revenue based on businesses shut down, think about those businesses themselves and the fact that they aren't able to generate and it involves employees. It involves the ancillary, you know, other businesses that function off of the business. There are so many things, delivery, for example, the mall, there's, they'd have to get deliveries every day, you know, of, of retail, of clothing. That's shut down. You know, food in the mall, um, the different uh, um, uh, venues in the mall that, that provide things. It's all that's shut down, all that's shut down. So that it is causing a huge financial impact on our community, as well as every other community throughout our state and throughout our country. Mr. Mayor, have you and the other uh, city officials put a figure? on how much uh, that Aurora is taking a budget hit? It, yes, we, we have. And we're, we're, we're constantly doing that. You know, we, we, um, we look at it weekly and, and measure the losses. And we're expecting it's going to be close to about a $35 million loss. If we, that's just up until June, up until June 1st. So if we don't open by June 1st, that's a $35 million loss minimum. If we open after that, you know, it, it's even more. And what percentage of the operating budget would that be? Well, we have a, about a $400 million budget a year. However, our general fund is about close to uh, $200 million. So that $30 million would take a hit out of our, our general budget of $200 million. And what will that mean going forward? I mean, at some point you come out of this – but then you've got to provide city services. Where, where are you going to make this up? Well, that, that's you know, a very good question. So 80% of our city budget is, um, our, is taking care of our employees, you know, our employee salaries, uh, our employee benefits, health insurance, things like that. So if we take a $30 million hit, that's $30 million we don't have to pay people. That's $30 million we don't have to ensure that folks have their benefits, their, their insurance, their health insurance, dental insurance. That's $30 million hole in, in the budget. And right now what we're doing is, is lobbying strongly, both in Springfield and Washington, D.C., to make sure the next, uh, the next package, economic package, relief package that comes from, from, uh, from Congress is to help municipalities like Aurora to fill that huge hole that will be in our budget. So without stimulus, without that stimulus, we don't know what we're going to do. I mean, the next option is to go out and, and take a loan. But again, if we, you know, bond and take a loan from a bank, how do we pay that back if our economy, because all right, put this in perspective, simply because let's say we decide we want to open up the government, let's say June, June one, without a vaccine, or some type of uh, mitigating uh, uh, medication to reduce the seriousness of, of the symptoms of COVID-19, we're still going to be in the same position. We're still going to have 
a, a, a coronavirus with, you know, no real cure or way to address the issues. Uh, and we're expecting our people to get back out in the community, recognizing that this is the whole reason that we've been, you know, sheltering in place to prevent us from coming in contact with the coronavirus. But if we go out without a cure, without a vaccine, we're in the same position. So I, I, we don't know if people are going to rush back out to social situations like concerts, like theaters, like malls, where people like where people congregated regularly. I mean, we've got to change the way we function, you know, in our communities. You know, it's a change. It's going to change until we get a vaccine. Uh, it's going to change the way you know. It's going to change the way our government works. And you know, even looking at the commercial end of this. Uh, I mean, Aurora's, even Aurora's downtown is a haven of small businesses as well Absolutely. as the, the larger companies. Yeah. So with all those things shut down, first off, how are, how are they going to survive? And also, how are, what kind of businesses have been able to adapt and, and stay operating during any of this? Well, the ones that have been able to adapt, I think, are the, are the ones that provide um, necessary relief that go directly to COVID, COVID-19. Those that, that provide the, the necessary supplies that we, you know, uh, need to survive every day, grocery stores, gas stations, things like that. And although gas stations have taken a huge hit because people aren't traveling as much, but, you know, places that, that provide the necessity of the, the of, of, of life for every, uh, every American. Um, but the reality is there's some that that because of this, you know, three month gap in their ability to to uh, generate revenue, they may not reopen. But what I can tell you that we're doing locally here is although we will be struggling in our budget, we're going to definitely look f- to set aside a, 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 a you know, at least a million dollars. We're looking at a million point, you know, million four to ourselves put stimulus back into our business community because, you know, if, if we don't locally help our businesses that we rely on to generate income for us, then it's a catch 22. So even though we are struggling in our budget, we recognize if it's ever going to get back to normal, we've got to spend a certain amount of money in our business community to ensure that they survive. It's got to be frustrating, and you and I have been around this area long enough to have uh, seen the time when revitalizing uh, the downtown was an issue and that it was hard to get businesses there. And The casino helped uh, really jumpstart that again, and it's got to be really frustrating to see this hit at a time when your downtown has been thriving. Absolutely. It's almost like we're going to be having to start over from scratch again. You know, I mean, we've got to re-energize people, get people confident in Aurora and what we have to offer. And we're going to have to take another step, getting people confident to come out and participate in in our, our community. Not because we don't have anything to offer in way of entertainment uh, or, or, reason, or restaurants or, or reasons to come down, but convince them that, you know, they're going to be safe. So we've got, to, we've got to create safety measures for people. We still, until we get a vaccine, have to practice social distancing. You know, we are, have to wear masks to protect, protect each other. You know, the, the, the day of shaking hands may be 
over, you know, for, I mean, I shake hands, I shake hands for a living, <laughs> you know, but that may be yeah. over for a while, for a while, yes. you know? So, you know, it, it's just a, we're going to have to have a different way of looking at things, a different way of running government, a different way of attracting people to participate in, in our community. You're listening to News Radio 780, that issue on political editor Craig Delamore, and we're talking via Zoom conferencing with Richard Irvin, the mayor of Aurora. And uh, uh, by way of full disclosure, I should uh, tell you, I do not live in Aurora, but if I walk to the end of my block, I will cross the street into Aurora. So, uh, so, so I'm definitely out in the, uh, the western suburbs, and uh, we spend a lot of time in Aurora. Uh, but uh, continuing, I want to ask one more uh, commercial question before we get into the main issue, which is really about health. And that is, have you been getting pressure from local businesses to open back up? Uh, or are the local businesses pretty much where you are saying, I don't, we're, we're not sure we want to do that with our employees? It's, it's both. Um, we, I, I think there are those that recognize that for us to progress as a society and protect the health and welfare of our of, of all of our residents, um, that we have to make this sacrifice now and close uh, and practice social distancing and and and, and make sure we're um, we're sheltering in place. But then there are those businesses, you know, again that you know these that running this business was there was individuals' livelihoods. That's how they paid their mortgage. You know, that's how they paid their car note. That's how they, you know, put food on the table and clothes on their kids' back that are saying, we need to reopen or we're, we're you know, we're, our business is going to die. We're going to fail. And there are, are those that saying, look, we need the city to come up with some creative way, not just to reopen, but to reopen and ensure our success. So we are getting, you know, pressure from businesses. For example, we, um, we uh, allowed our restaurants that don't normally uh, have a license to to uh, provide liquor off site. So if you go to an average restaurant or bar, you've got to buy a beer, you got to drink it on site. You can't take it off off property. But now, you know, we've said during this crisis, we're going to allow you if somebody comes in and does road roadside. Um, service and, and, or, or delivery, we're going to allow you to provide beer and wine to those folks. You know, even though your license doesn't allow that, we're going to do it during this crisis to give you an additional way to get people interested in buying your product, your food, uh, going, you know, using your restaurant and, you know, allow you an additional stream of income. But, you know, then there are restaurants that want to take it to the next step. All right, we're, we've been selling beer and wine and that's fine, but now we want to do mixed drinks. Now we want to do, you know, if <laughs> we want to go the next step. And, and I understand because they, they want to stay alive. They want to stay viable. However, you know, at, at some point we have to draw the line and say, you know, we don't, want to, we don't want to step over because how do we regulate certain things here, you know, in the city? And, you know, it's, it's a balancing act with, you know, regulation and maintaining, you know, the laws and disregarding those so people can survive. Uh, and as I said, you know, it's not it's not easy, but, it, you know, it's one we've been dealing with ever since this crisis began. Indeed. And let's talk about uh, the, the survival issue, uh, because the bottom line is this is a public health issue above Absolutely. everything else. And 
you know, for people who've been following the headlines probably know this already, but you yourself, you contracted COVID-19. I did. Um, so did Police Chief Kristen Zeman and a police commander. Can you talk a little bit about, about how, I mean, what an ordeal that was? You know, that was a huge ordeal and for a number of reasons. Um, one, it was, you know, um, this new virus that had just that had just begun in you know, existence in a couple months and being uh, contracting a virus where, you know, it caused pain and, and, and discomfort and uncertainty, not knowing what was going to happen on the other end of, of this of this illness. I mean, you get the flu which many of us had, or a cold, which we've many of us have had a number over the years. And you know that although you feel bad today, you're going to get better because you've had colds in the past and you've gotten better. But in this one, because it's such a new, you know, uh, uh, disease, you know, a brand new virus that our own scientists, you know, not just in the United States, but around the world don't necessarily know the effects you know, and how to, and we don't even have a cure for it yet. It was the uncertainty of not knowing, will we come out of this on the other end as we have with so many colds and the flu in the past, you know, luckily, you know, although I went, what I say, I went through it and I went through the edge, went to the edge and back. I, I was fortunate to come out of it. Unfortunately, as we've seen the numbers uh, increase by the day, there are those that aren't coming out of this that won't be able to tell the story of, of the pain and discomfort and uncertainty that we went through. Um, yeah, I'm fortunate to not be one of those that, that his life had succumbed to um, COVID-19, but I definitely want to tell the story of what I went through. So people that have not contracted the virus and people that, you know, you simply see it on the television and say, that couldn't happen to me. I'm ready to get back out into, you know, the real world and continue my life. If they don't understand, you know, what you go through, it's hard for them to put in perspective and recognize the sacrifice that they've got to take to ensure they protect their family and their community. How has your public been taking the restrictions? I know for a while, obviously, Chicago had some some issues that uh, have sparked a whole bunch of memes of uh, Mayor Mayor Lightfoot uh, looking grim, but in all, sorry, in all seriousness, are people heeding the call in Aurora? You know, and I don't blame Mayor Lightfoot for looking grim because this is serious, you know, and when our citizens don't recognize the seriousness of it because, of, again, it may not have happened to them or their family and they can't put it in perspective or, or recognize the, the importance of what the sacrifice we're making, you know, uh, it, let me just say, I think our community here in Aurora and, you know, uh, our surrounding suburbs have, for the most part, taken this seriously. I mean, if you go out, if you take a drive down the street, you don't see nearly as many car cars have been. Traffic has been reduced, you know, to almost nothing. Um, even if folks are going out, you see most people wearing wearing masks and practicing social distancing. But there are the few there are those that still don't recognize the seriousness. And that's why I, I come on shows like this and I talk about the, the symptoms and how terrible they were. So people understand. And, and I'll say, you know, this is what I went through. I don't, I wouldn't want anyone to have to go through. And if I tell the story, 
maybe someone listening will say, you know what, I, I'm willing to sacrifice today so me or my family don't go through the pain that others go through and that it could happen to me. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard. It, I would say for the most part, our community has stepped up, but there are those that I, I still think don't recognize. And they're and, and get Nancy may be staying in the house, don't realize why they're doing it, but doing it because, you know, it's the order. You know, it's an order from the government and the governor and the mayor. But getting antsy and, and, and to the point where they're willing to say, hey, I can't do this anymore, because, again, it doesn't necessarily affect me. But I'm telling you that that this coronavirus does not discriminate. It will affect anyone who comes in contact with it. Indeed. Um, how are the hospitals and the health uh, systems out there handling this? Are they being able, are they able to keep up? Well, all right. The, we, we have two major hospitals in the city of Aurora, uh, Cop, uh, Copley, which is a, a rush Copley and um, and Mercy Center, which is under Amita. And they have stepped up uh, substantially. They have stepped up, you know, and, and these uh, healthcare workers have been showing, you know, heroism in how they have helped to um, work with the victims that have uh, contracted coronavirus. The problem is there is not an abundance of testing. And without an abundance of testing, there's no way to really determine how many people have it, how many people are spreading it, because there are those that don't show any young people, you know, and those that don't show symptoms at all, you know, who are they spreading it to and on what level. And until we get testing, you know, and there's two types of testing, and then we'll talk about both of them. Until we get, you know, mass testing, there's no way to determine how to actually fight this thing. And, you know, who may, ha- you know, what percentage of the population may have contracted it. And then that's just testing simply for the presence of the virus. Then there has to be an additional testing, testing for antibodies to determine whether or not someone in the community or even person that has been diagnosed with COVID, you know, has the antibodies and, and to, to our, some extent, at least for the next couple of years, immune to getting coronavirus again. So folks like me who have contracted it and gotten better can, you know, maybe take the lead to get back out in the community a little bit quicker. But until we get this mass testing, which we're working on very hard here in, in Aurora, and we should have two brand new sites open up the next week and the next uh, under a week here in Aurora testing not just um, um, the healthcare personnel, which is very important, and our first responders, which is extremely important as well, but testing the general population. Until we start that on a, on a large basis, it's, it's almost going to be impossible to tell how effective we are going to be in opening our economy again, because without a vaccine, we're going to be right back in the same place unless we put, unless we test and put measures in a place to ensure that short of everybody staying at home, we're not going to continue to spread this virus. We've only got about a minute and a half left. Yes, <laughs> and no, and oh, I'm, I'm sorry. about to ask it. I, no, no, no. And, we've, and I have to ask one of the bigger questions because this pandemic has also highlighted and amplified the issues of equity in healthcare and the economy. Uh, and, and, you know, not everyone has access to the best healthcare. Not everyone has paid enough wages to put savings away. How has Aurora been addressing some of those issues along with everything else? Well, you know, we're trying to work on social equity equity, and, and equalizing the um, 
the services and um, our outreach to all of our communities. I mean, Aurora has uh, a large population in the center of our, our city, um, which is probably close to about um, 60,000 people that all live below the poverty level that don't have access to the health care that you would need should they contract the coronavirus. So, you know, our our goal is to also use certain amount of our federal dollars that we get in specifically in our uh, low income communities to ensure that they are healthy as well. Because if we, if everyone who can afford insurance, you know, um, gets healthy and has access to health care, however, um, our, 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 our folks that don't have access aren't healthy, it's just going to continue to spread. So, you know, we've got to ensure that everybody is on an equal playing field. Mr. Mayor, that's going to have to be the final word. Uh, we, we could do another half hour with this. Absolutely, uh, man. We have to talk about. Uh, that is Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin. Thank you for spending this uh, half You're hour. You're very welcome, sir. Very welcome. Uh, to our My listeners, pleasure. if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. Just follow the podcast links. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then. I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.